Welcome to the Gears and Grind podcast, where the best and brightest entrepreneurs, automotive personalities, and innovators share their stories about how they built their empires and impart lessons for you to do the same with your host, Joshua Bennett. The Gears and Grinds podcast. On today's podcast, I have J.M. Littman. JM, do you mind just telling my guests about what you do and why you find it so interesting? A little bit about your backstory. Well, I guess I play at racing cars and uh, pretend I'm a racing driver. <laughs> I suppose the background is that, like uh, a lot of people, I love cars and had an opportunity about 20 years ago to uh, have a go in a, a small single-seater. I was basically hooked. I had to you know, find some money and sponsors and get get into racing and that's pretty much how it started it was a chance opportunity i started pretty late in life i started at something like 30 years old i hadn't carted there was definitely a desire and passion in me to uh, go racing in the conversations that we had before like you were kind of talking about the things that you've done and the places that you've been and the races that you've done you mentioned something called the vw fun cup do you mind just explaining a little bit more about that I'm a kind of racer that pretty much just races whatever comes along, whatever opportunity comes my way. I'll, I'll jump in it and race it as best I can. I haven't be. I was testing in Spa in Belgium, Spa Francorchamps, the, the racetrack with BMW GT3 team, and happened to be a few days away from something called the VW Fun Cup, which I'll come to and talk about a little bit more. And a driver hadn't turned up, and they said, "Oh, do you want to jump in the car?" And, do the spa 25 hour not 24 25 hour and well you know i was there didn't see any point of going home so i <laughs> i stayed there and did that race yeah the vw fun cup basically the car looks like a beetle a vw beetle you know from the the 70s but it isn't it's basically a fiberglass shell over a very much a bespoke custom made race car actually made by wrt the Audi DTM team and GT3 team. Yeah, quite, dare I say, almost sophisticated kind of race car, apart from, you know, the aerodynamics of a brick. And not massive horsepower, but it's uh, got a, a sequential gearbox in it. And like the name of the series, it is fun to drive. Uh, we had quite a fun 25 hours, incredible physical, very, very physical car to drive, actually. No power steering at all in it. And, um, yeah, my gosh, my arms and were in, uh, and shoulders were in quite a lot of pain every time I got out of the car. That's quite a workout for 25 hours. Yeah, I mean, obviously we, well, not obviously, maybe people don't know, but um, in these 24, 25-hour, 12-hour races I do, there's a team of drivers. It's the same car. The car runs nonstop. It's the drivers that get the rest, and it varies, depends on the series, how long your stint length is. But most of the time, you're limited to two hours, and then you go and sleep or, or try and get some food and maybe you get back in the car four or five hours later and you do it all over again. That's not so bad then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you yeah. tried doing it in uh, in Barcelona in a few weeks in the Porsche Cup car. I was in the 991 Cup car and it was 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Are you Fahrenheit? You're centigrade, no, aren't you? No, I'm Celsius. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, 32 and the temperature in the car was close to 60 centigrade, and I did just over an hour and a half, and I was probably about five minutes away from passing out in the car. It was horrendous. So believe me, it's incredibly physical driving any car for any period of time. Especially when you're trying to focus on the road and the track and trying to get the best out of yourself and out of the car at the same time, right? 
Yeah, in that case, the the team had hadn't put a new water bottle in for me, so not only was it very hot, dehydration had set in, and uh, I particularly lose close to three kilos in two hours. Um, and of course, that's all fluids, so three liters near enough. It's that's a lot of fluid to lose without being able to put any back in. That sounds intense, actually. <laughs> that was one of the worst or best hardest stints I, I think I've ever driven because I was. Um, kind of in discussions with the team for the, the, the last 30 minutes of that stint going guys how much longer because i'm really suffering there's no water in the car and it's like yeah 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 we just want you to do another like you know 20 laps and we go all right how much longer we got now it never seemed to come down they kept extending the stint and I, in the venture i said look i've got to come in because i cannot keep the car I, well i'm going to really suffer in the next five or ten minutes so people don't understand or probably not don't have the insight of how hard an environment it is in a race car. Depending on the race car, you're putting a lot of G's, G-force in corners and under braking. Your body is constantly getting pushed back and forth, you know, lap after lap after lap. You're not just comfortably sitting in a nice comfy chair at all. So yeah, burn a lot of calories. You have to be physically fit and probably a little bit of a nutter to do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We kind of talked about the 24-hour of the Mon Cup. Do you mind just going into a little bit of detail? There are two series you kind of mentioned there. you got the 24-hour Le Mans, which is obviously the world's, well, debatable, one of the world's biggest races, which I haven't done. But I have raced in the support race to it. So I have raced the full Le Mans circuit, but in one of the support races. So every year... They will have two support races, and it varies. Sometimes it's a Porsche, sometimes it's Aston Martin or Ferrari. I happen to race the year. I happen to be with Aston Martin, and along with my teammate, Rick Breakers. Rick's pretty a famous driver now. He's gone on to pretty great things, having won Daytona 24-hour twice after the last time we raced together. We came second to that from last, actually. So it was a pretty exciting race there and, and quite a privilege to race at Le Mans, you know, like the film, you know, racing his life. What are some of the most noteworthy places that you've been? Until this year, you know, the, on the bucket list, if you like, I've always wanted to race the Nordish Life, Nürburgring, the full 16, 17 miles. I don't know how long it is, racetrack. That's the craziest, wildest race series in the world. It's like racing down a country road. And it's 20, you know, eight, I can't remember how many miles long. It's 17 miles, 18 miles long. I can barely remember the corners. In fact, I can't even remember the corner names. It's always kind of fun. There's a... 170 corners and again something crazy like that yeah it's madness but it's also the best track in the world and i think some of the best racing drivers in the world are racing there so again a very proud moment i managed to get a third there in my class i think my second only race there yeah that was pretty special and again having a great teammate there with a guy called jp Oliveira, who's a world-class driver and you know races currently in japan in uh, super gd there but uh, that was an honor racing with him and um it was great to get the podium as well. So just to kind of add to what you were saying, the Nürburgring length is about 25.95 kilometers long. I don't want to big up my Instagram account, but JML930, there's some pretty interesting onboards from that place. And you race pretty much in any condition. <laughs> they don't red flag it or stop the race for heavy rain. You go out and you go yeah. around and you stay out of <laughs> the barriers. And it's when I say I couldn't even see my own windscreen, I couldn't see my own windscreen. You suspend normality when you go there. It's like the World Disney World of uh, motorsport. Because I know that the Nürburgring is considered to be like one of the most iconic 
racetracks in the world. It is literally the testing ground for Porsche and Lamborghini and a, a lot of these higher-end manufacturers. They go to the Nürburgring to, to test their vehicles uh, all the time, and then they boast about it and say, "Look, like we did the Nürburgring in in five, six, seven, eight minutes." Yeah. And yep. it's better than the last year or two years ago or whatever. And just being able to have that pride and just say, we conquered a 25.95 mile or kilometer track in how many minutes? And it not only shows the, the skill of the drivers that are behind the wheel, but it shows the advancement of the engineering that goes into a lot of these cars nowadays, right? And, and them being so track oriented and just a blast to drive. It's a really special special place i'm in love with it and it's almost a it's like a mecca of motorsport in that way it's people who go there are almost obsessed with it Uh, they call it ring fever which sounds like something you don't want to catch and it probably isn't but and it's also the craziest thing about it is we get to race on a friday and a saturday but the rest of the time it's open as a public road and that's another thing we probably don't know is that it's it's a public road it's a toll road so you can go there and then you pay your i don't know 10 euros i think it is or five euros and you get to go around particularly in europe and in the uk you'll see and lots of let's say boy races on the back of their cars on the road they'll have the little map of the nurburgring on the back because um yeah they all got ring fever so yeah it's a public road on the friday and saturday various weekends of the year we get to race on it it's draped across these valleys and hills so it's a very hilly and mountainous area as well so this is not a flat track this is a track that double backs and multiple hairpins it's complete madness the track because there are so many towns or let's say villages within the track if you end up you know, hopefully not breaking down and you're near there, you, you can pull into there and go and sit in the restaurant or the cafe until someone comes and get you. So it's it's a very special place. I guess the only other place like it is probably the Isle of Man, the TT circuit, which of course they use for bikes. And that's a road course, but the Nürburgring is it's a 365 day a year, effectively racetrack, which is open to the public. That's pretty cool, actually. And, and you were kind of speaking to the Isle of Man, the motorcycle races that they do. Yeah. And, if you guys have not seen the Isle of Man motorcycle races that they do, it is literally the definition of insanity. It is crazy how fast those guys go on those bikes. Just watching their skill to not crash and burn going 200 kilometers an hour. Well, uh, try 300 kilometers an hour. You know, those guys are doing and 180 this- mile an hour in some parts. I believe they're quick cars. The one to see actually is there's a great movie that's probably on Netflix called Closer to the Edge. It's pretty highly rated actually. So go and watch that. Go and download it. It's got a guy called Guy Martin, British guy who's a funny lad. Jared Leto, I think, is the uh, narrator on, in that as well. So closer to the edge. There you go. That's what you guys are watching tonight. I was watching Amazon today and I heard that a new season of The Grand Tour is coming oh. out. I think it's either on prime now or it's coming I'm, I'm actually really excited about what jeremy richard and james are going to be doing for the next season because they don't have a tent right yeah they had that emotional farewell to the tent or the uh the studio audience i guess it kind of outgrew itself a little bit i certainly don't think it works on the bbc top gear really anymore and the grand tour is really about those guys going out and 
driving somewhere and being stupid. Not really what they do in the tent. And they were legally restricted to what they could do in the tent. You know, they couldn't talk about the news section because that would have been a breach of, you know, a legality breach with uh, what obviously they agreed with Top Gear. It was probably time to move on, wasn't it? I started to watch Top Gear during high school, actually, and really started to really dive into those three. And just I really love the, the information that they were able to give. This is stuff that they got up to. And I just found, I just found it so funny because my mom and my aunts and uncles are actually from England. And, and oh, okay. And they actually understand a lot of the uh, lingo and that type of things. So I kind of had to ask them, like, like, what does this mean? What does this mean? At the same time, you know, just kind of sitting down with myself and saying, okay, so I'm not the only one that actually enjoys cars in my area. There are thousands of us. It's a real passion, isn't it, uh, that people have? I mean, why? This my friend's kids, you know, like, you know, two years old, and, and they're really, they want to be in a car, you know, a kid's car or, or go-car, or there's something that is obviously quite empowering, you know, um, about being able to harness and to be able to have that independence that a car gives you. And, and I guess with racing, it's a little bit more than that. It's probably... It's a challenge of it all uh, because I'll say this, but not thinking I am, but it's basically gladiatorial, even though I think actually the MotoGP drivers, the motorbike guys, they're gladiators and we're probably, you know, a little bit less than them. Here in Canada, at least in my opinion anyway, the actual driving quality has actually gone down. What are your top tips as a racing driver to help improve people's driving? Racing a car is far removed from driving a car on the road. It's it's just a different thing. Bad driving is what causes accidents. Inappropriate speeding causes accidents and deaths. Let's not forget that. You know, the road is not a racetrack. I, you know, I have to be sensible there. I could never admit to speeding. But, of course, in Germany on unrestricted autobahns, <laughs> you yeah. can drive as fast as you like and I think I topped 204 miles an hour, about 325 to 328 kilometers an hour the last time I was there. So, you know, bad driving is the cause of all these problems and lack of concentration. You know, those are kind of the key things. There's no quick thing of going, okay, you do this and you'll become a better driver. You know, concentrate, drive appropriately to the conditions. There we go. And just kind of be aware of your surroundings, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, don't, you know, there's a difference between driving 90 miles an hour on the freeway and uh, driving 90 miles an hour past a school at school time. You know, that's, you know, qu- quite rightly, if you're doing that kind of craziness, you know, they should properly hammer you. You know, that's, uh, I mean, in the UK, we have a massive issue with speed cameras and uh, big brother everywhere, which I'm not a big fan of having recently been stopped for speeding. <laughs> <laughs> What, in your opinion, makes a good racing driver? I've got to race with some greats this year. I got to race with uh, JP Oliveira. I got to race with Tom Dillman. Those guys are different level to me. You know, I know when someone's better than me. And, you know, these guys are complete world pros. And when you see them and when you watch them at work, the, the calmness about them and just the absolute focus on what they're doing is is pretty incredible and so that's probably it it's it's basically someone who can obviously understand how a car is moving how that functions and to quote jeremy clarkson probably the best racing drivers lack imagination (laughs) they don't think about what can happen but they just go out and and nail every corner and nail every lap so um it's a very unique skill i think and not everyone can do it Uh, no matter how much practice and how much money someone has some people just don't get it 
like you were kind of saying that, that there's a calmness and that there's a, a peace while you're driving and you're not overthinking things. You're just doing, like you're kind of taking every corner um, one at a time and just kind of feeling in the moment, right? Yeah. People ask me all the time, oh, isn't it exciting, you know, when you're racing? Nope, not at all. You know, <laughs> very calm. It's, it's a very calm environment. Uh, I mean, in the car while well, I'm calm, I think some drivers might be a bit more aggressive or more uh, emotional, but they don't tend to be the good ones. It's almost meditational. Uh, you know, Senna um, is quoted quite famously uh, talking about his some uh, a lap he did around Monaco as an out-of-body experience. Well, I'm certainly never got to that level, but it's, it's a very meditating place. You, you're not sinking about food you're not thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow your holiday your family your friends or, or your dogs you are just focused 100 percent on what you're doing in the car and braking turning in accelerating out maybe talking on the radio to um, the team giving them some you know feedback on the car fuel tire wear etc you're 100 percent focused on it you can't be thinking about anything else. You're just focused on what the job is, and that is driving the car around in circles, basically. <laughs> Big circles. I think that's actually some pretty good insight, just being able to be focused on what you're doing and just being able to put all your energy into that one thing. Yeah, and even if something drastic happens, you know, let's say you get tapped by another car, you can't react to it like you would do normally. There's no road rage well, not often. <laughs> not, yeah. not with me. It does happen. Road rage, you know. Let's say there are in, there has been incidents where people lose their calmness and chill. The tail hitting Lewis Hamilton in Baku. <laughs> I mean, when you get out of the car, sometimes these things might erupt a bit. But it's actually quite a calm place. And whilst you're driving, how would you navigate the racing world? And how would you start racing? Because I know from just from my own research and stuff, I know that like a lot of the greats actually started off in karting and go-karting when they were yeah. like five and they kind of jumped right in and they loved it. But let's say like, for example, like you're 16 and you just like, you just got your license and you're kind of just interested like, hey, I got my first car. I want to do this racing thing. I want to just try it. And they're really, really good and, and kind of just like that. But how would you approach it so that yeah. you could at least start racing? There's, um, I mean, there's a ladder basically, and if you're going to be a, a top driver, you have to be in karting from an early age, from five years old. If you're going to join it later, then your possibilities are going to be more limited. You're not going to get to Formula One. You're not going to get to uh, IndyCar starting at 30 years old. But you don't have to. I mean, you you can you can have fun racing. But you know, I definitely would say anybody that wants to do it, you know, get in a kart, go to your local kart track. It's the purest form of motorsport. It's a lot of fun and it's a great place to learn. And then, you know, if, if it progresses more than there, obviously that's when, you know, you've got to start finding some funding and wherever that comes from. And then it, the best way to do it is contact your, your national motorsport body. In the UK, it's the M, uh, It's not called the MSA anymore. It used to be called the MSA. It's called Motorsport UK now. And see how they can direct you. There will be entry-level motorsport series. There may be things like auto trials where you don't necessarily need a, a race car with roll cages because, you know, here's where the expense start. You, you can't just take your road car to a race yeah, because it doesn't conform to the safety standards. But you can take your car to a track day, for instance, and mm. have some fun on a track day and, and not have to conform to roll cages and, uh, you know, fire extinguish systems and, and what have you. So there are lots of ways to enjoy motorsport. And I should also say, you know, you can be a marshal, you can be an official. 
there's lots of opportunities, not just behind the wheel, but you know, lots of opportunities to get involved in motorsport as a supporter, if you like, you know, i.e., being a marshal or you know, joining a medic team, scrutineering, and all kinds of things that you can do. So it's it's not just about the guys and, behind the wheel, and, the, and even the suppliers for the parts and staff, like you mentioned, auxiliary and tech. And teams as well. I thought he forgot to talk about the teams. Lots of opportunities to go and work with race teams, even as a yeah. I mean, you know, search out those local race tracks and go down to a club meeting and see what you can learn. I have one more question, then we can wrap up. Knowing what you know now, what are some of the things that you wish that you knew before you started your career? Yeah, everyone makes mistakes and chooses you know wrong teams, and it's a big learning curve. You never stop learning in motorsport. You never get the ultimate lap. There's always time to be found somewhere. Effectively, really, um, you know, probably do it all the same again. There's probably some cars I wouldn't get into, but probably best not talk about some of those. <laughs> <laughs> you would do it all over again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think I have any regrets within my motorsport um, um, history. I don't think uh, I have many. <laughs> now, that tells me that you love racing through and through. And Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great way to spend the weekend. <laughs> you know, I have to remember that. I am lucky enough to go racing and racing some incredible machinery at, at some of the best tracks in the world. And, you know, sometimes you have to stop and go, it's not a bad day. Even when they are bad days, you know, I'm still playing racing cars. So, you know, ask it, most kids growing up, you know, what do they want to be is, I don't know, I suddenly went, do you want to be an astronaut or do you want to be a racing driver? And so I'm getting to be one of them. Well, thank you, Jam, so much for for coming on and, and sharing your insights and your experience on my podcast. Where can people find you on social media and how can people connect with you? And- <laughs> I'm most active on Instagram because it's probably the easiest one to use. So, yeah, just tapping JML930 and 930 because one of my favorite Porsches, so 930 Porsche. So that's why, why it's a 930. Thank you again and have a good rest of the evening. Pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. That about wraps up today's episode. Did you like what you heard today? Well, there are many more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Do you feel like reaching out? Connect with Joshua on Instagram at JJE underscore Bennett for more information about the podcast. If the episode spoke to you, please leave a review, voice message, or comment on either any podcast platforms, Anchor or Instagram. Keep moving forward.